Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Great, thanks, Andy. Um, well, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be excited to be meeting with you all virtually a- again this morning. Really looking forward to our time of worship coming up soon as well. Uh, and so, uh, I've, I've just got my laptop perched uh, on my lap here, and there's a there's a chance that as I'm gesticulating wildly, uh, it might you might it might fall off my lap, and you might get a shot of my ceiling. So, if that happens at any point, uh, yeah, you know you know why. Um, so this morning, as Andy said, we're going to be continuing in the book of Isaiah. And the theme this morning, kind of the, the one uh, message that I think we, we, we need to take away from this morning uh, is this, and it's quite a challenging one. It's that impatience is actually a form of unbelief. Impatience is a form of unbelief. You see, impatience is what happens uh, when we begin to doubt God's promises and his timing. Impatience is what happens when we begin to doubt God's promises and his timing. And impatience can kind of uh, rear its head in different kinds of situations, from the trivial, like being stuck behind someone on an escalator, right through to the really uh, big things, like actually dealing with something like a long-term illness or lifelong dreams not being realized as quickly as we might hope for. And when things aren't going the way that we hope for, when we're facing obstacles, impatience can tempt us in one of two ways, okay? Firstly, we can be tempted to make rash decisions. Um, so, for example, to panic by toilet roll, uh, to, uh, to swear at another driver because they've annoyed us when we're driving, uh, to, uh, to date a non-Christian because uh, we don't want to be single and it's taking too long uh, to happen, so we date a non-Christian. It can also, conversely, uh, we can be tempted to just give up, right? And this can kind of be where our personality or the situation comes in. We can make rash decisions or we can just give up and say, well, you know, I'm not going to bother with this marriage anymore. It's not working. I'm going to give up on this. I'm going to give up on this job. I'm going to give up on my faith. Actually, we can be tempted in either direction to make rash decisions or just to give up. But whatever resonates with you, you know, out of these kind of examples, out of these different ways of reacting as well, what I hope we'll see this morning is that actually impatience matters because it's not just a personality trait. It's not just kind of a relative thing where some of us are a bit patient, some of us are a bit less patient, and that's all okay. Actually, because impatience is a form of unbelief, actually it matters. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at some verses from Isaiah, as Andy said. But before we do that, I want to set some context, because I think it's really important with these verses to understand a bunch of background. And so I think it'd be helpful for some of us to just get some context. So just quickly, okay, the the Old Testament of the Bible uh, talks a lot about the history of Israel. And Israel, right, was it was kind of the partial fulfillment of a promise of God to make his own nation. 
And Israel was meant to be different from other nations, okay? Because instead of having a human ruler, a human king, God was supposed to be Israel's king, okay? Israel was supposed to follow God. So God would speak through prophets and instruct Israel what to do. And so this is how Israel started off. But eventually around 1050 BC, uh, the people of Israel decided they really wanted a human king like the other nations around them. And so God wasn't pleased about this, but he allowed it. And so for a period, uh, the, the one nation of Israel had kings. But after three kings, Israel split into two nations. You had the northern kingdom, which took the name Israel, and the southern kingdom, which used the name Judah. So you might think of this a bit like kind of Ireland today, where you've got Northern Ireland, you've got the Republic of Ireland, and kind of, we might refer to the Republic of Ireland as Ireland, we might refer to the whole, whole uh, the two together as Ireland. Uh, we could think of it similarly okay, with Israel and Judah. And Israel and Judah regularly came under threat from larger nations, from empires around them. Time and again, in the Old Testament, we read stories of Israel facing enemies, sometimes trusting God to deliver them, to protect them, to guide them, and sometimes not, okay? That's kind of the context with which we read this story this morning, this account. Now, around 700 BC, uh, both well, the whole of Israel, really, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Judah, were under pressure from an empire, the Assyrian Empire. And so let's read what happens. How does Israel respond in this time? Do they believe God? Do they trust God in, uh, to protect them, to secure them? Or do they not? Let's, let's have a look. We're going to read from Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 to 5. I'm just going to drink some tea because I've got quite a sore throat. So, Okay, that'll keep me going for a few minutes. Isaiah 31 to 5. What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. For without consulting me, you have gone down to Egypt for help. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You have tried to hide in his shade. But by trusting Pharaoh, you'll be humiliated. And by depending on him, you'll be disgraced. For though his power extends to Zoan and his officials have arrived in Hanez, all who trust in him will be ashamed. He will not help you. Instead, he'll disgrace you. And so this was a common pattern throughout the Old Testament. Those of us that have been around church for a while are used to these kind of stories. Sometimes Israel would trust God, sometimes not. And in this instance, we see that Israel gets scared and they panic. Whether it's kind of uh, Judas king at the time, Hezekiah, or his advisors, whoever is behind this, they don't wait for God to speak. They don't wait to hear what God's going to say through the prophet Isaiah. They just make the rash decision to go after Egypt's protection. They don't trust in God, they trust in Pharaoh. And in what we've read, God condemns this, right? Because actually the people, his people, they lacked belief and faith in him. They didn't put their hope in him. You know, hope is like faith for the future, faith in what's going to happen. And they hoped in Egypt to deliver them rather than in God. And so, first of all, I want to say that 
generally when we read these stories about Israel, these things that Israel faced, we can kind of generally relate uh, them to our own lives, right? And so we can look at the situation of Israel facing a big obstacle, a big challenge. You know, this is a life or death thing for them. They were faced by a huge nation. They were a small nation. This is scary stuff. And so we can look at these and I think we can relate, right? We can say, actually, when I face big obstacles, when I'm scared, when something needs to happen, I can sometimes make rash decisions. I can sometimes just say, well, I need to sort this out. I need to do something rather than actually taking the time to consult God and seek God. Perhaps you can relate as well. Rather than placing our hope in God, so often we can place our hope in ourselves or in other people. Rather than believing in him, we might believe in ourselves or in others. It's relatable, isn't it? I mean, I hope we can all relate to this uh, because I think we all fall into this trap one time or another. And so we have this negative example, okay? This negative example, what not to do. We've seen what the people of Israel and Judah did in this situation and that God condemned this, right? This is the negative example. What's the positive example? What's the right way to respond? Well, let's look uh, again at verse two and then also at verses 15 and 18. This is all from Isaiah chapter 30. So verse two, uh, God says, for without consulting me, you've gone down to Egypt for help. You've put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. So there's two things here. Firstly, God wants us to consult him. Secondly, God wants us to trust in him for his protection. Do you see that? He, he, he condemns them for not consulting him. He wants us to consult him. He condemns them for trusting Pharaoh instead of trusting him for the protection. Okay, then let's look at verses 15 and 18. Some encouraging words here. God says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for him. The second thing that God wants us to do, or the third thing, depending on your arithmetic skills and mine, God wants us to wait for him. God wants us to wait for him. We see that, don't we, in, in verse 18 there. Blessed are those who wait for his help. And so God wants us to consult him, to trust in him, to wait on him. And so what Israel should have done in this situation is they should have consulted God. They should have gone uh, to their prophet Isaiah. They should have said, what does God want us to do in this situation? They should have patiently waited until they had a sense of what it was that God wanted from them because actually it was super clear Old Testament Israel that God wanted his nation to be distinct and separate from the other nations this was really important to God and so we're to consult God we're to wait on him and there are these great promises in there do you see that only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved Blessed are those who wait for his help. And so as we do these things, we can trust actually that God will bless us because he promises that to us. So we've got this negative example, what not to do. We've got this positive example, what to do. Consult God. When you're worried, when you face obstacles, speak to God, pray to God, wait on him. Don't rush into anything rash. Don't give up, but rather consult God and wait on him. 
Now, how do we kind of respond to this? Because what I've said at the beginning is actually impatience is a form of unbelief, okay? And so if we need to have belief in order to do these things, you know, put yourself in Israel's situation. You've got this life or death situation and I'm telling you, you need to consult God. You need to wait on him. Well, that's scary, right? There's pressure, there's danger. How do we have the belief to do this? Okay, well, you know, one option is, we, is maybe the way we apply this is whenever we face opposition, you know, if Andy faces opposition and we talk about it, if he faces obstacles, like dangerous situations, whatever it is, you know, I could just say to him, well, look, Andy, you know, it's not a big deal, right? Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. God wants us to trust him. Just, you know, just chill out. That is not what God calls us to, okay? That's not uh, how we grow in belief. It's not to be glib about these things. It's not to say that, you know, they're not serious situations. It's not to say these things don't matter. Actually, there are other things I think we can do which really uh, can build our faith generally, but also uh, in these situations specifically, things we can do to remind ourselves uh, truths about God that will give us belief and help us to do these things, help us to be patient. Okay, so there's two main things that I want to uh, encourage us in, which I think can really help us. Firstly, I think that we ought to reflect on the promises of God. And secondly, I think that we ought to reflect on Jesus' example. Okay, and so I'm going to unpack those two things now, and that's what we'll do for the rest of the time. So firstly, reflect on the promises of God, especially when you face challenges and obstacles. Because your Bible is full of these wonderful promises that God has made to his people. You see, God uh, asks us for obedience, but also he promises us good things. And when we read these promises, what happens is faith wells up in us. Belief wells up in us. Let me read you some promises from your Bible. Just from the book of Isaiah, here's three. Blessed are those who wait for his help, which we just read. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Isaiah 43, 2, when you go through deep waters, I'll be there with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you'll not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. There's promises in the New Testament like this. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Psalms is full of promises from God like this. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I'll not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. I want to encourage you, when you face obstacles and challenges, just pause. Look for some of the promises of God in Scripture. If you don't know where to find them, go on Google and Google promises of God in the Bible and you'll find loads. And I promise you, when you read these things, faith will well up in you. Belief will well up in you that Jesus, that God will come through for you, that you can trust in him. So firstly, I want to encourage you, look at the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. And secondly, I want to encourage you to look to Jesus' example. Because when we face challenges, when we lack belief and we're tempted uh, by impatience, we can look to the example of Jesus who is so patient and in his earthly ministry was so patient. And there are so many examples, countless examples of this 
in Jesus' ministry. But I just want to highlight a few. Okay, I want to highlight a few from Jesus' ministry. So firstly, Jesus, Jesus' earthly ministry was, was all leading up to him. Uh, those few years where he gained his disciples, taught and, and was crucified on the cross. But Jesus spent 30 years leading up to that. Jesus was uh, walking this earth for 30 years before he began his public ministry, before he came into that public ministry that was kind of his whole reason for, for being here. When you feel that it takes months or years for your dreams, your callings to be realized, remember that the king that you follow, the one in whom you believe, the one, uh, the one that is calling you to this uh, life of obedience, he himself, he knows what it's like. He spent 30 years walking this earth waiting to begin his public ministry. Jesus was patient. Remember when Jesus spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness being tempted by Satan? What did Jesus do? 40 days and nights in the desert not eating. Did he give up? Did he do something rash? Did he give in to temptation? No, Jesus was impatient. He endured. He quoted scripture and the promises of God back to Satan. Whenever he was tempted, Jesus was patient. And perhaps you remember uh, what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was about to be captured and then tried and crucified. Jesus knew exactly what was coming. What did he do? Matthew 26, 39, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus prayed that three times and then he was captured. You see, Jesus sought the Father's will in those difficult times. Jesus sought the Father's will and he submitted. He was patient. He didn't do anything rash. He didn't give up. He trusted the Father. And then when he was on the cross, when Jesus was crucified for you and for me, he could have summoned angels and just put the whole thing to bed. He could have just ended it and just given up, but he didn't. He saw it through. Even in that circumstance, Jesus, fully God, but fully man, really suffering in the worst way the Romans could dream up. He went through with it. He didn't do anything rash. He didn't give it up. He saw it through to the end. He did that for you and for me. Actually, the one who calls us to obedience, the one in whom we believe, he's faced all the same challenges that we faced. And you can call on him in those situations. You can look to him and his example and i'm a little bit over time but just a little bonus you know proverbs 27 17 says as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another let's encourage each other in this when your brother or sister in christ is facing obstacles point them towards the promises of god point them towards jesus own example and so i'm going to wrap up in a moment but look you know the, the kind of the summary of this message is that actually impatience, it's not like a, just a personality trait that we can ignore. Actually, impatience, it comes from unbelief. It's a form of unbelief. And as believers, we want to believe in our God. We want to believe in the promises of God. We want to believe that Jesus is good and that he can satisfy us. So when we face obstacles, when we face challenges, let's consult God. Let's pause and pray to him. Let's look at his promises. Let's trust in God's timing. And let's encourage each other in that as well. I'm going to pray to finish.
Lord Jesus, you are a good God, Lord Jesus. We just, we just are in awe of your goodness and your kindness and your love and your grace and your mercy to us. Just when I was thinking about, you know, the patience that you demonstrated in your life, Lord Jesus, it just particularly, particularly coming up to the point which you were killed uh, for us, Lord, you were crucified for us. It just blows my mind, your patience and your humility. Lord Jesus, help us to believe in you. Lord Jesus, help us to be patient uh, in all situations. Lord Jesus, help us to trust you and have faith in you. Amen.